0: Welcome to the Wheats on Your Mind podcast. My name is Aaron Harries. Wheats on Your Mind is brought to you by the Kansas Wheat Commission and Kansas Association Wheat Growers. Our guest today is Hayes Kelman, founder and CEO of Boot Hill Distillery in Dodge City, Kansas. Hayes farms with his dad, Roger, and grows the commodities that are used for the products he creates at the distillery. And winter wheat is one of his favorite ingredients. Hayes, a farm kid from Southwest Kansas, attends K-State. I believe you majored in grain science, and then you come home and just decide to start a distillery. Is that how how that happened? That's right,
1: yeah. Um, I actually ended up graduating with a uh, degree in agribusiness, but uh, started off in the grain science industry, so I kind of uh, got the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, at the end of end of uh my time at k-state it was uh looking to go back to the farm and and i thought uh what else can we do how can we vertically integrate our farm kind of uh you know the goal of it was to set our own price for our products rather than just uh what the commodity market has so best option we'd come up with at the time was uh let's let's make a whiskey distillery you know that's feasible there's not a whole lot of them in kansas and uh so we we thought it it was a good option and went from there.
0: How many distilleries were in the state at that time? It, how how long ago was it that you started the distillery?
1: That was, we opened our doors in 2016. At the time, there might have been, uh, you know, three, three or four in the whole state. There hasn't been that much growth actually in, in the state of Kansas yet. Uh, there's been a, a few more pop-up, but, uh, you know, we haven't blown up like some of the other states have with, with hundreds of distilleries around them.
0: What was your goal when you started? I mean, what was your vision? Uh, like a, a craft distillery serving the local market? Did you did you think you were gonna get bigger and, and widely distributed?
1: Yeah, I mean the goal's always been to be a you know a, a major player in a regional in the in the region anyways. You know, to tell you the truth, I don't know if we fully processed what what it would become. You know, the idea was, yeah, let's let's bring grain from the farm, let's distill it into um, you know, high quality products continue to build a business here. And uh, one thing led to another, and here we are.
0: So how did you learn it? How did you become a distiller? Did you have any training prior to heading down this path?
1: Yeah, most of it I blame on uh, farmer mentality. You know, give us a problem, <laughs> uh, throw an issue at us, and, and watch how long it takes until that problem's solved. It's a special trait, I think, that farmers have that that uh, we not that we like problems, but uh, we excel at, at solving problems. I feel like as a, as a group, you can't be a farmer without being a problem solver, right? Right. Um, every day is a new a new problem, whether it be the weather or uh, equipment or the markets or whatever it may be. We get to solve problems all day, every day. I did spend a little bit of time, you know, touring around, visiting a couple different distilleries when I was able to, you know, get out, go to different different areas and find those, but not necessarily more than a few days you know, kind of uh, lightly looking into what other people were doing. And then let's let's figure it out. It's it seems like a complicated process and and it is a complicated process. But, you know, in the most basic sense, it's it's separating uh, alcohol from water, which two different boiling points and not that difficult, I guess, when you when you dumb it down.
0: (laughs) It's it's a big science experiment. So I guess you have to really go all in at, at what point did you just pull the trigger and say, here, here's a list of equipment that we're going to need. And let's, let's just go ahead and get this ordered."
1: Yeah. So the, the way this whole thing started is we, when we finally decided to move forward with the distillery, we weren't sure where to place it. What town, you know, where we were from, we farm in Sublette kind of looked around, around the area within within a few hours of sublet, where's the best place to place this thing? And I remember the day that uh, my dad called me actually and he said, I found the building for you. I don't know if it's for sale. I don't know what the situation is, but you know, again, as, uh, as farmers that fix things, I guess we thought, why not buy this dilapidated building in Dodge City and turn it, turn it into a distillery. So once we submitted a proposal to the city on what we were going to do with the building, got the building bought. And all of a sudden from then it was kind of like, uh, go, 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 because, Hey, we have a building. You have, somewhere to go with it so what was it about I think somewhere in August when we actually finally got the building purchased and then you jump through figuring out what equipment to buy and where you're going to place it in the in the distillery and uh, you know the good thing about having a, a building already built is you deal with what you have you know good and bad so some things work out some things fit where they need to fit sometimes you have to find new solutions because this building is existing uh, we
0: don't get to do everything the exact way that we would necessarily want to all the time, but it works out. <laughs> so tell us about the building. It's it's a beautiful building. I've ha- I've had the opportunity to visit it, and it's a little bit historic. I Believe it's almost a hundred years old.
1: Yeah, it'll be a hundred years old. Uh, what in twenty in twenty twenty nine. So you know, kind of going all the way back to the the property we're on uh, is actual Boot Hill. So everybody's heard of heard of you know the infamous Boot Hill and that is literally underneath our feet. this was the the cemetery where they buried the bodies back in in Dodge cities you know before Dodge City was really founded but they Dodge City decided at a you know once this wild west town of Dodge City kind of slowed down the the residents of Dodge City decided that they wanted to kind of put Boot Hill behind them and so they actually moved the cemetery moved it to a new location and they built a schoolhouse on this property. In order to kind of, I guess, in their opinion, they thought they would, would kind of hide the the idea of Boot Hill. I don't know if that worked great or not, but there were actually there was a, one schoolhouse. Then, then that one uh, didn't last very long. They tore it down, built another schoolhouse, and then in, and that would have been in 1872 range. And then in 1927 is when they started construction on this new building, uh, which would have been the municipal building, housed the police station, the city hall, city jail, fire station. Uh, anything and everything to do with the city government of Dodge City back in 1929 when it opened is, when, is what was inside of this building, and uh, it is on the national and state historic registries. It's a cool building. I mean, when we bought it, it was it was falling apart. It was it was not going to last too much longer. Glad that we were able to save it and
0: bring it back to life. It's a Spanish colonial type building. Even has the clay clay tiles on the roof. That's correct. Original clay tiles. Yes. Yeah the irony is probably not lost on you that you're distilling spirits in a building that used to be on a, on a graveyard,
1: I on a graveyard. Yep. As but, well as the, you know, police station. That, that's kind of funny
0: too, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, you had the building and you had the equipment and you, I guess you've got to come up with a product, right? And let's, let's give everybody a refresher about whiskeys and bourbons. Not all, not all whiskeys are bourbons, all bourbons are whiskeys. What, what goes into the product that you're making?
1: No, it depends on what what we're making, but uh, you know, to explain bourbon, uh, bourbon is is one that often gets confused by people. A lot of people think that it has to be made in Kentucky. It does not. We're proof that it doesn't have to be made in Kentucky. Bourbon has to be made in America. Any any of states can make it, distilled from primarily corn. So our bourbon is 51% corn, 49% wheat. We're a super high weeded bourbon. And then there's a few other kind of little specifics it has to go through. It can't be distilled at a higher proof than 160 proof, can't be barreled at higher than 125 proof, and it has to be barreled in a new charred oak barrel. It doesn't have to be um, barreled in that barrel for any longer than one second, and it could technically be bourbon. Most people like to have a couple years of age on their bourbon because that kind of mellows out the flavors. Technically, it can go in and out of that barrel as as fast as you can put it in. You can take it out and you would have, have bourbon and it has to be bottled at at least 80 proof to be called bourbon. I might be missing a few of the small little technicalities, but that's the gist of it anyways. So we make all the, all sorts of different products. Big thing that we do is we grow every grain that grows into goes into our distillery. If we can't grow it, we don't make it. So you'll notice we don't make tequila. We don't have agave plants right. growing in Kansas very well. Uh, we don't make rum. Sugarcane's a, a difficult one to uh to get to grow again in Kansas with the with the freezing weather, less tropical than in some of those areas. What else do we not? You know, but really anything anything and everything that can be made with, with corn or wheat or any other, you know, grains that we can grow in Kansas, we we will at least try to make. It, so,
0: <laughs> yeah, so from day one, you I mean you can't have whiskey on day one because you want to age it in those barrels a little bit, but you, you kind of need to have an income stream, right? So when you open your distillery, what was actually the first product?
1: Yeah, so the first thing we released was our vodka. And our vodka is 100% wheat. To be vodka it has to be distilled. It's not near the rules that bourbon has, but the biggest thing is it has to be distilled to 190 proof, and that's 95% alcohol content. So that takes, you know, kind of a special still to get to that proof level. And that was the very first thing. Vodka really is fermented, uh, mashed, fermented, distilled. And then from that point, you can filter it through some charcoal if you want, uh, and then into a bottle and, and out the door it can go. There's no major lag where, uh, you know, we have a warehouse sitting with a few-year-old barrels still. That is, uh, that is the process of starting a distillery. Hey, we have a business and we have not much to sell. <laughs> so there is a major delay in actually producing something that you can sell out of a, especially if you're, you're aiming like we have to be a whiskey or bourbon distillery.
0: What was entry into the market like with that first product, that vodka? Was it just a local distribution or, or what did you start with?
1: Uh, so we, since the beginning, we've been tied up with a, with a large distributor in Kansas, Standard Beverage. They do distribute all of our products throughout the state. And so when we first launched, you know, of course, our plan was to get, get the entire state with this, as many accounts as we could. We fight every day to even still to get our placements in liquor stores and convince, you know, not only Kansans, but other states of why they should buy our vodka. That it might be a couple dollars more expensive than the cheap vodka on the shelf, but there's quality. You know, convincing people to buy local, buy, um, buy from a smaller company is sometimes difficult. We fight that every day, but we're doing doing okay with it so far, and and uh, we have some some great fans behind us that are that are buying our products and available in, in multiple areas
0: now. Well, and this is a wheat podcast, and the fact that you're using locally grown wheat in in a lot of your products. You and your dad grow the wheat. Any any specific varieties? I assume it's hard red winter wheat. Hard red winter wheat. Yep,
1: everything is hard red winter. We've grown some uh, of the. Year. traditional or original wheat in Kansas you know turkey red has been been a fun little project for us we've we've distilled a lot of products actually for the past two years the majority of our wheat has been turkey red at the distillery turkey red isn't the best yielder the best performer in the field necessarily right. yeah <laughs> but it's fun to have a little bit at times to bring just just because of the history of it taste wise I don't know if we've seen a huge difference in in taste when we've we've gone side by side I'd love to say that there is but in our situation, relatively similar to to any other wheat we bring in. As far as other other varieties or, or um, you know it's whatever's working the best. So yeah, don't have anything to get stuck on necessarily?
0: And not you don't have a lot of storage on site at distillery. So when you're when you're starting a batch, you just uh, just bring in a truckload, or how does how does that work?
1: That's right. Yeah. So we store all of our grain, you know, the bulk grain on the farm, and then I bring it up by the semi load. We have what about 1,800 bushels of storage at the distillery here. So unload one truck at a time, burn through it about, uh, I want to say we're at maybe about a truckload a month is kind of a, a mix of grains that we actually end up going through a year.
0: The other inputs... Not necessarily ingredient, but you talk about those white oak barrels, charred oak barrels that the whiskey or bourbon is aged in. Not a lot of white oak trees around Dodge City or or cooperages. So, tell us where those barrels come from, and then and then where do you store those barrels when you're aging the product?
1: That is one thing we cannot get local barrels, believe it or not. in, yeah, in Western. Right. Um, I think we'd have every tree taken out with, uh, <laughs> if we tried to do that. So, they come from Missouri, uh, South uh, southeast Missouri is where pretty much 99% of our barrels come from. They show up to us finished. We spec them out. We want this barrel completed this way with this type of wood. It's all white oak, but we can, the seasoning of barrels, the seasoning of the wood, so it can kind of your lower cost barrels can be more green wood, wood that's just been chopped, you know, in the past six months and, and slightly seasoned. And then into a built into a barrel all of our barrels are actually seasoned for two years outdoors and so they they set. they get sawn down and then they set out two years and and kind of dry up let some fungal activity happen with with the the weather outside and then they get uh, milled into being actual barrels for us and they show up with a certain char level which we order i wouldn't say different every time but we do fluctuate through the char levels and so ours typically are a four char level a scale of one to five or one to six, depending on the companies you're going with. You know, we, we kind of ride in the middle, typically. So when those show up, we get them by the truckload and they show up once a quarter or, you know, kind of whenever we can get them because they are difficult to get nowadays. Um, we fill them as soon as we can and, and let, the, let the whiskey start aging. And where do you store those? And they're all stored. Uh, we, ha- we have a warehouse that's separate from our distillery here. That holds every one of our barrels for us.
0: And environment plays a big part in that aging, right? I mean, depending on the weather and 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 how hot it gets, in the environment in Kansas is, is quite a bit different than probably Kentucky or Tennessee, where they do a lot of of whiskey and bourbon. So, do you uh, do you find the extremes causing any issues with the barrels, or just uh, just standard practice?
1: Yeah, I mean, we actually think that Kansas is is a great place to age whiskey because. What ages a whiskey, what you know really kind of helps that process speed along is actually the difference in temperature. So you get great hot, you know, 100 degree weather, that whiskey expands and pushes into the barrel, pushes it into the wood pores, goes through the charcoal, and then it gets cold, you know, and especially summertime when it gets really cool in the evenings, cools off those barrels and, and the whiskey comes back out of the charcoal, out of the barrels, back into the inside of the barrel. And that's what... That's what that aging process is, is time and time again, in and out, in and out of those barrels or into the staves of the barrel. You know, where, where better do you get or what better temperature swings do you get than western Kansas? You know, really, anytime. It's, if you don't like the weather, wait till tomorrow, right?
0: <laughs> yes, we, we're familiar with that. So do you have any st- uh, secret barrels stashed away that you're, you're heading towards the 10-year or 25-year aged mark? I suppose every distiller wants to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, 25 years, it, it better be a dang good whiskey and a really <laughs> beautiful barrel. You know, everybody's uh, heard about, you know, you, you get the pappies, you get the, uh, the high-dollar, um, long-aged barrels. And some of those surprise me because the fact that, uh, you know, a 25-year-old bourbon is actually good um, is amazing to me because that's such a long time in oak. Um, Scotch gets away with it because they're using our once-used barrels, and we've, we've used all that charcoal out of that barrel and so Scotch actually needs the time to spend. You know, It's not unheard of to get a 20-year, you know, they're often found at, at distilleries, 20-year-old, but bourbons are, uh, it's a whole different animal. You better be absolutely, you know, I, I would only, I wouldn't want to know how many barrels they're not using in those 25-year-old bourbons that they put away, because little issues could happen and, and be, <laughs> and get accentuated uh, quite easily in that long of a time, but Yes, we do have some barrels that uh, we're trying to put back and, and hold for a little bit longer time. You know, some of our very first barrels we still have. Is that whiskey going to be, you know, as as um, good as some of our new barrels that we're making? As we, we've gotten better at our process, I don't know. But we, I always tell people that we store barrels for as long as we can afford to store, store barrels. You know, if we had endless amounts of money, we'd store every every barrel we had for as long as we could and not get into it until it was exactly where we wanted it to be. But the way that our business works, we have to sell whiskey. So hopefully we're moving through about what we're producing and we're always kind of producing a little bit more than what we're you know, we learn every year how much we can produce and what we can do. But right now we're full speed. Hundred percent of our production goes into barrels, waits for about two years until we pull it out and into our bourbon bourbon bottles it goes.
0: How do those used barrels find their way from Dodge City to Scotland?
1: So none of our barrels actually get sold to Scotland direct. A lot of those would be through bigger contracts with you know with the larger Bourbon distilleries that are, you know, shipping out uh, train cars of them, I'm sure. Um, but our barrels end up usually in you know, local breweries. Wineries have used them. We reuse our barrels often here. People that use our barrels for furniture at times. You know, we can build different things out of them. So none of our barrels actually have made it, you know, really other anywhere other than just local or nearly local. Places that can reuse our
0: barrels. But they've got many uses in their lifetime. Let's talk about the project you did with K State. Very unique project. Really uh, probably turned out to be a big deal for you, maybe bigger than you imagined, about the whiskey product you licensed through K State.
1: Yeah, that was a fun, fun project. Um, you know, that work, that was. There was many uh, years of kind of nagging on K State that hey this would be a fun project to do and and finally got everybody convinced hey let, this is this would be a fun project. Next thing we knew we were we were chugging along making a Wabash Reserve bourbon for K State. Yeah, when it released we didn't we were there was one other school I think in New Mexico that that had a uh, had a bourbon out. We were kind of one of the one of the very first ones with a collegiate spirit. It it blew up. We didn't really know what to expect. We thought. I can't remember what number we had in our heads. Hey, we'll make this much and it'll sell, and away we go, you know. But we were we were running pretty much as fast as we could uh, through all of that football season for sure to get the initial launch out. It's worked great. It's been a great relationship. K State's been good to deal with. We've had to, had a lot of fun. We've actually come out since that time with with a new version of the Wabash Reserve. So every year we will actually release a new limited edition of the Wabash Reserve. There's one coming sometime this year.
0: And you so. moved uh you also got an Ema vodka, I believe. That's correct. Yep, yep. Last uh
1: yeah, last year about this time we were getting into the vodka situation. Ema vodka sold uh, all over Kansas as the K State vodka to drink. And I believe you've
0: done something for Fort Hayes, too.
1: Yep, yep, Fort Hayes is the other one. Uh we made a bourbon for Fort Hayes and uh, that was a that was another really fun project, you know, working again, keeping it uh, local with these Kansas distillery or Kansas uh universities. I always tell them we're, we're happy as a, as a Kansas company to work with anybody in Kansas, to tell you the truth.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's talk about product line a little bit. We've, we've mentioned a few of them and and you're just like any other business having to keep up with trends. And I think one of the latest things you've worked on is, is canned cocktails. Tell us a little bit about that. So canned
1: cocktails we got into during the pandemic, it was somewhat out of necessity to figure out what else uh, our distillery could do to, uh, to continue to be relevant we started with a small really we started making these cocktails you know just from our tasting room we have a full tasting room with a with a bar and a cocktail lounge thought how can we with this thing closed how can we get these out to people that that are interested in our cocktails and so we we were making them I think we were bottling cocktails for a little while because we had the equipment to bottle and then we quickly found out that canning was going to be the solution so we bought a very small uh, kind of like a handheld canner because canning is a you know it's a process of of closing the seams on your, on your cans. You can't just do that with the. There's no real handheld way to can products. But soon after the, you know, I don't know when it was, maybe in 2021 is when we bought an automated canning line. We've launched three different products our vodka based lemonade, whiskey cola, and a rosemary mule. All really kind of based off of cocktails, and the uh, you know whiskey cola is a pretty basic cocktail. But the other two are are based off of cocktails that we've sold very successfully in our tasting room. And we thought, how can we how can we bring these to somebody's refrigerator or a cooler, or um, how can they enjoy our cocktails off site? Spent a lot of time figuring out how to make a cocktail shelf stable and and work well in a can and not you know taste like it was it was handmade, but easy. So those have been a fun project. They really have. Um, it's a whole other, whole different animal besides from just bottling uh, spirits.
0: Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> so you've got to have a, a pretty good team there on hand to help you out with. Uh, who would you start with and who do you have now? So Stephanie, our distiller, has been with us uh, for
1: a few years now. Um, she's really come into her own at distilling and, and really you know, taking control of, of what she's doing. Uh, she came in as as just a distiller working under me directly, and then soon after, within about a year, year and a half, uh, I named her head distiller, which uh, really that just means she's able to make more decisions on her own. We still work very closely together to uh, figure out what different, you know, what our different taste profiles are going to be, and, and whenever we adjust things in spirits, how we're going to improve what we do. We have a, a full team, you know, we, we run a relatively lean team have a director of sales Lee Griffith. He's been with me since pretty much since the beginning. He's kind of the the face out in Kansas and, and every other market out there working uh, getting relationships with people and and uh, hopefully convincing people to drink Boot Hill whiskey or vodka or canned cocktails or whatever product he has at the time. And then we have a packaging and warehousing manager, we have a tasting your manager, you know, multiple multiple different positions that we've we've figured out what to do with. Yeah, we should say that.
0: I mentioned that you do have a tasting room there on site and a big, big outdoor patio. So I imagine you have some events there on site.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We do have a tasting room and a patio. We host private events. We're open to the public from 3 to 11, Wednesday through Saturday. And uh, we offer tours at 4 and 6 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. We, we host, host multiple events, you know, public and private events on the patio or in uh, one of our, we have a rental room. Have a boardroom set up that also has rental space and and can have a, a bartender in it to uh, make cocktails after a meeting. If you're in Dodge City and you're looking for a cocktail, I suggest you come come see us.
0: Good recommendation. So, what does the future hold? Expansion for you? Do you have other products in the works?
1: Yeah, all of the above. We're always we're slowly growing as often as we can. Slowly getting into new products. Try not to go too fast with new products because there's there's plenty of focus we can give to our current products. We have a, a pretty large list of SKUs already, but we're always coming out with new things. We're always aging new things. When we have a new whiskey, we want to come out with, say, a rye whiskey. That process has to start uh, a few years ago, putting that whiskey in barrels and and uh, letting it age for a while. Uh, as far as expansion, you know, we're always we're always looking for ways to grow. We did last year. We grew within our own footprint. We about doubled our production within our own distillery here. That's probably as far as we can grow in this facility. We'll always have this facility, but the next expansion would have to be an additional place to make whiskey. Those are always on the books. Nothing necessarily that's that's going to happen anytime right away. But when the right opportunity arises, we will we'll will continue to grow and make uh, you know as much whiskey as we can.
0: Yeah, and your success is. Just like any other business, measured by sales, but also you've you've entered some contests, I I believe across the state and the country on have your your peers judge your product and, and what are some of those results?
1: One I'm probably most proud of isn't isn't an in individual award, but it is the fact that as of about I think it was two years ago maybe. Maybe more now. Every single one of our distributed products has an award from national competition of some type. We don't have a single product out on the market that hasn't been praised by somebody that had a a good palate, I would say. On the Kansas wheat side, so our 100% Kansas wheat uh, vodka in 2020 was the best craft vodka at the American Craft Spirits Association. So that's probably my, my most prized individual award that we had. Of course, it happened during COVID when it was all virtual, and we couldn't, uh, you know, strut around the convention with our, our big medal. But uh, we we silently enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> that is that is awesome. Uh, wheat vodka from the wheat state, uh, winning an award like that speaks well for your success. So Hayes, if people want to learn more about Boot Hill Distillery, how do they find out more information?
1: Best way would be to come visit us, 501 West Spruce Street, Dodge City, Kansas. As I said earlier, we're open from three to eleven wednesday through saturday but if you're uh, out and not able to visit us just yet go to our website boothilldistillery.com actually all of our products are available online as well they can ship to most states but if you're in kansas visit your local liquor store anywhere else visit your local liquor store and, and request Boot Hill distillery
0: products we'd uh, love to show you what we have we wish you all the best and and Thank you for using Kansas wheat and other Kansas commodities in your products, and I'm sure we'll be seeing you down the road.
1: Well, yeah, this has been fun. I appreciate chatting with you.
0: Thank you to Hayes Kelman from Boot Hill Distillery for joining us on this episode of the Wheat's on Your Mind podcast. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover in the future or have a question for one of our guests, please email us at podcast podcastkswheat.com. I'm Aaron Harries. Thanks for listening.